This is the Impact Church Podcast. Here at Impact, we believe a powerful word at the right time can help you overcome any challenges you are facing. Wherever you are listening or whatever you're going through, we pray this message speaks exactly to your need. Enjoy. And um, go another further. And so hopefully we can take it deeper for those of you that were here and we can um, introduce you and take you into where we're going for those that are hearing some things for the first time this morning. Um, I started off last night talking about um, our second god, second goddaughter, second granddaughter, um, Mila, and she's two months now. She was with us over Christmas, but when we were with her at her birth the first week she was born in Houston, she came at eight pounds, two ounces. And um, health, everything was fine. And, and um, by the time she got home and got good and settled, she wasn't eating as much as they had hoped that she would eat. They had already planned that um, they wanted to just breastfeed her only. Long story short, she wound up going to a doctor. And ironically, the doctor that they wound up going to, without them knowing before they got there, was a doctor that um, was a childhood doctor of, of Marquise, uh, our daughter's husband. And um, so they trusted what she had to say. And she, she weighed the baby. She, she lost about 10% of her body weight in the last few days, which is a big amount when you're only 8.2 pounds, right? And so, of course, the parents were concerned a bit about it. So the doctor said, we see this happen often. And when it happens, we recommend that you put her on formula, you know, for a little while. And, and then you can go back to, uh, you can do that with breastfeeding. And then you can eventually come off the formula. Let me give it a spoiler because I usually don't do that because of where I'm going. It worked out fine within a couple of days. So that's on the side. Okay. So, but anyway, prior to knowing it was going to work out fine, of course, as new parents, you're, you know, you're, you're concerned and you're upset. And, you know, moms, y'all know y'all love your babies and you want it to just be perfect, want to be the perfect mother. And, and you want to do everything you can because how many of y'all know formula is not the same as breast milk? It is not the same. As a matter of fact, when I was reading about breast milk, I found out that it's alive. It has living things in it, right? And formula just doesn't have where breast milk has. But it is a good supplement if you cannot breastfeed, and it's a good supplement for those that struggle. And so the problem was that um, my daughter was worried about was that if, if, you give the baby, if you give the baby formula, the baby may resist the breast, essentially, right? Because she may become satisfied with this supplement called formula. And it began to make me think about how, how often it is that we can become satisfied with supplements at the expense of the nutrient that God wants to give us. And how things in our lives, especially when things aren't going right, you know, when things aren't going right is when we start looking to other sources besides God. Yeah, I ain't going to say nothing. You know, you know, it's when, it, when everything's going right, God is good all the time and what? All the time, God. But when things aren't going too good and, and God didn't answer your prayer yesterday, we start looking to other supplements or the things to supplement our faith. Y'all ain't going to say nothing, right? <clears throat> and so we're going to make me think of how, how many times, God, have I downgraded and downsized what you wanted to do in my life because I was supplementing my faith for something else. I was supplementing, you know, you wanted to give me fullness, but I was walking in emptiness. You wanted to give me wholeness, but I was walking still and supplementing with brokenness. God, you wanted to do something special in my life, but I downgraded it to a supplement that I could do myself. And you're going to find out this morning that 
That's not unusual. How many of y'all would say you've been there before? Let's just be honest. Okay, I love it because we we are a real church, right? And so you're going to find out this morning it's not unlike biblical characters because what I love about the Bible, the Bible is not a book trying to paint people to look perfect who aren't perfect. Everybody from Genesis to Revelations, aside from Jesus, is imperfect. So let me just stop here and say if you're struggling with your imperfections and you're struggling with your inadequacies, you need to understand that you are just part of the human race. And yet, and still, God has, God has plans for you. He has more for you. And so we're going to find out today, and we're going to see today, how oftentimes when we feel inadequate, how that triggers something in us to look for a supplement to our faith. But not only that, but you're also going to find out that Abraham, the father of faith, was a person who did the same thing, but how God came and visited him again to remind him that I still have more for you. And I want to remind you this morning that no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've supplemented your faith with, it could be with your works, it could be with your job, it could be with your spouse, it could be with your children, it could be with religion. No matter what you've supplemented your faith and you walk with God, God is still saying after all of that, I still have more for you. I wish I had some folks that was hungry. I told them last night, it's one thing about breastfeeding, right? My daughter desired to give her, her, to breastfeed her daughter. But the thing is, she also understood that unless it wasn't based on her desire alone, it was based on her daughter's demand. And that's what produced. And I'm here to tell you this morning, if you put a demand on God, he's able to produce in your life. Anybody hungry for more of what God can do in your life? And then I'm going to take us another further and show us the three ways that, the three areas that God wants to do more for us. But then what is the response, right? What is our response? What do we need to do to put that demand so that we can receive it? Are you guys ready? Because we're going to get out early today. Thank you. I was waiting for that. I was waiting. I said, all right, y'all ready for this new year. I love it. All right, so let's go to Genesis chapter 17. Verse 1 through 8, and we're going to move forward this morning. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully faithfully, and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and said, and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. Covenant is my agreement. This is my promise with you. This is what I'm going to do on my end of the deal. That's why it demands a response. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. You will be called Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you. And kings will come from you. I told them last night, if you don't believe it, open up your Bible to the book of First and Second Kings. They all come from Abraham. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for, your, for generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Quick background, Genesis 12, God says to Abram, get out of your country, leave your kindred, leave your homeland, leave your tribe, all of it. Leave the people that speak the same language of you. I'm going to take you to a land that I'm going to show you. I'm going to bless you there and you're going to be a blessing. He makes this whole covenant arrangement with Abram. Abram at that time was about 75 years old and Sarah's roughly I think she's about 15 years younger than him. 
off the top of my head. And so they, are, they pick up, they do what God says, they're on their way to Canaan. But 10 years pass uh, in the process, right? And when 10 years pass, they realize, you know what, I done said Happy New Year. Y'all know how we do in church. Let me bring it on home. Y'all, uh, this going to be my year. Mm-hmm. Now, that was, that was 2012. 2013, this going to be my year. Mm-hmm. 2014, this going to be my year. You know, and it went all the way to 2022. This going to be my year. Well, but 2023, they said, bump that. We got another plan. <laughs> ten years passed. They said, we done waited ten years. Sarah said, she looked at her woman and said, I don't think this is going to happen. We ain't got all the right parts to make it happen. You getting pretty old. Lord knows I'm old too, so I got an idea. Now, Elder James tried to make me backside last night because um, they went to Hagar, and Hagar was, you know, she was going to be Abraham's side. That's right. Save him, Jesus. The word I was going to say was surrogate. So they had this idea, and they got Hagar, you know, and they, and they said, well, Hagar, you know, really Hagar and their dynamic didn't have a lot of rights. She didn't really have a, a yes or no, right? So she's a maidservant. She really couldn't say yay and nay. So she did what they told them to do, and they produced Ishmael. And, and um, you know, Sarah figures that's going to help satisfy what God wants to do. That's going to give my husband a son because, you know, it would be a shame in those days for a man not to have a son. So he's got the son. The word of the Lord came to pass. And um, then after it says that Hagar began to despise Sarah, that in her eyes Sarah was despised. In other words, she was giving her the side eye. And you know, I can imagine she was on TikTok just watching. They go to that woman again with her son. She posted another video. He's walking now. He's talking now. He in pre-K now. And... <laughs> And the more she watched Hagar with Ishmael, the more, watch this, the more that she felt inadequate in herself. Because the whole reason that they involved Hagar is because they felt that they were inadequate for God's promise to happen in their life. You know, sometimes we can count everybody else in but count ourselves out. Y'all ain't going to say nothing, but some of y'all here today got so much faith when it comes to everybody else but you. You can believe for your children, you can believe for your spouse, you can believe for your parents, you can believe for your nieces and nephews, but when it comes to what God wants to do in your life, you count yourself out. You feel like, I'm inadequate, I don't have what it takes, God can't use me like that, God can't produce this in my life, I'll never see this in my lineage, I'll never experience this, I can't walk in that, I can't go into those places, and God said, hold up, I still got more for you. And so what I know about inadequacy 
is that many times we, we're like Sarah. We, we begin, and Abram, we begin when we don't feel adequate in ourselves, we bring other people into our life that we think are going to help make us feel adequate, only to find out that they don't. We'll look to mama to make us feel adequate. We'll look to daddy to make us feel adequate. We'll look to our teachers to make us feel adequate. We'll look to our coaches to make us feel adequate. We'll look to our neighbors or to our pastor. And what God is saying, you can't look to people to discover your adequacy. Your adequacy is found in me. The very people we look to to help make us feel adequate are struggling with their own inadequacies. No wonder they can't help us feel adequate. Well, thank you. Just a piece of a word this morning, praise God. <laughs> uh-huh, you got it. All right. And so here comes, well, let me say it this way. After Abram, it's after Abram and Sarah supplement their faith with Hagar. Y'all know another word for Similac and all that is what? Formula. After they arranged your own formula and realized it didn't work. After they substituted their faith for their own formula. And how many times do we do that? We do it ourselves and we make our own little concoction. And we're like, it's going to be just perfect until it's not. That's when God comes in Genesis 17 and shows up again. And I want to remind you that God shows up in Genesis 17 and speaks to Abram just like he did in Genesis 12, except 25 years have passed. So God didn't come the second year, the third year, the fourth year, the fifth, the 20th, but about the 25th year, God shows up again. And my question is, why did God decide now to show up when he didn't show up when they couldn't conceive? He didn't show up when they first had Ishmael. He didn't show up when they first left the land. Like, why didn't God, why does God wait again? And sometimes God waits for us to recognize that I don't have this sufficiency in myself, and neither do the people around me, and nobody else around me can solve my problem but you, oh God. See, as long as we're looking to other people, we push God out. The more we look to the Hagar's in our life, the more we look to what we can do, God sits back and says, hmm, that was cute, but it ain't going to work. Ooh, that was cool, but that, that's not going to fly. When you tire, you know, that's what they do when you're drowning. You know, lifeguards will wait for you to tire out because, you know, you'd be fighting. You know, I had a friend who, and I just feel so bad about it. We uh, went to school together and did some other things together as far as instruments and stuff. And, and unfortunately, when she was drowning, the person that tried to save her went under with her because what happens is a lot of times we fight. So God said, I'm not going to save you yet. I'm going to wait for you to tire out. And just like a person who's drowning, tires out, then a lifeguard comes. Here comes God in Genesis chapter 17 and showed him and said, are you tired yet? He said, no, nah, I just want to remind you something. I came to let you know that before you become so satisfied with Ishmael and that before you mistakenly think that he's a real thing so that you don't think that he's the promised child, so that you don't think that the kings and the descendants are coming to him, I had to stop by to let you know I still have more for you. And I need you to understand this morning that no matter how much time has gone by, no matter how much deficiencies that you have, no matter what your inadequacies are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've said, no matter what you've done, God still says, I still have more for you. 
I've not changed my mind. I've not changed my plan. I've not changed your destiny. I'm just waiting on you to come into alignment. I'm waiting on you to put a demand on heaven for what I have for you. And he shows up. And he says, I am God Almighty. In verse 1. And off the rip, you say, well, yeah, I know God is God Almighty because you know that terminology from probably young, God Almighty. What you don't know probably is that I am God Almighty comes from two Hebrew words, El Shaddai. First time it's used in Scripture. El Shaddai. God doesn't show up and say, I'm Jehovah Jireh. I'm going to supply all your needs. He doesn't show up and say, I'm Jehovah Rapha. I'm going to heal your body. I'm going to make a womb that's dead. Come back. He, he said, I'm El Shaddai. And he, the thing about it that I love about it is because God is now reintroducing himself to show them that, watch this, as El Shaddai, in your sufficiency, I am more than enough. Because El Shaddai actually means, it means God Almighty, the God who is more than enough, and Shad comes from a Hebrew word. Shaddai comes from a Hebrew word saying Shad, and Shad stands for breast. And so in the same way that a breast from a mother is more than enough for her child, in the same way that a breast for a child is, is almighty to the child, there is nothing better that it can give it more than what it needs. It's the same way God is saying to you, I am more than enough for what you need. I am God Almighty. I can handle your finances. I'm God Almighty. I'm more more than enough for your children. I'm God Almighty. I'm more than enough for you in old age. I'm God Almighty. I'm more than enough for you in your singleness. I'm God Almighty. I'm more than enough for you in a pandemic. I'm God Almighty. I'm more for you in your career. I'm more than what you need when you need it. Whatever your inadequacy, whatever your insecurity, whatever your deficiency, God said, I'm more than enough. Because inadequacy shows up in every area. You'd be surprised how many guys are out there just doing crazy things with women, doing crazy things with drugs, not because they really need to do that, but because they feel inadequate about being a man. You'd be surprised how many times we settle. And some of the ladies, you settle for men that really you could have better, but because you feel inadequate. You'd be surprised how many times we come to church and hear the word and go, that's nice. I guess it's going to be for her. That's going to happen for her. Because we feel inadequate. And God is wanting you to know this morning. He understands. He knows you are inadequate. Let me say that again. He knows you're inadequate. When he gives you a word, he's always going to give you a word. You know, it's one thing. Come here, Elder James. Please. Stay right there. Thank you. Oh, this ain't going to work. You're too tall. All right, go ahead. Do it anyway. Can you touch my hand? Okay, stay like that. All right, do read. <laughs> he knows when he gives you a promise or word that there's a gap between what you can do and what only he can do. He already knows that. So it's only two ways it plays out. Either you lower the bar and get what only you can get, which is that. 
or you have to move in faith to get what only God can do for you. Thank you. So your inadequacies don't surprise God. We think that God wants our strengths. And yes, he wants to use you in your strengths, but he also wants you to present your weaknesses. Because see, in your weakness, he is made strong in you. I think I'll say that again. <laughs> in your weakness, he's made strong in you. Because see, it's not your strengths that teach you to depend on God. It's your weaknesses. And so, what I need you to be encouraged about, beloved, is that God already knows, and he's already, as El Shaddai, he's already made provision for everything that you're deficient in. He is a nutrient. You don't even need a supplement. He is your nutrient for everything he wants to do in your life. He has enough supply and more than enough. And matter of fact, you don't have to be afraid when he blesses the person sitting next to you because he's the many-breasted one. He has more than enough for you. If he blesses you, don't mean he can't still bless you. If he blesses you, don't mean he still can't bless you. He's got more than enough for what all of us need. Don't let the enemy talk you out of because of your deficiencies. Don't let the enemy talk you out of what God can do still in your life. Don't settle for Israel when he promised you Isaac. When we came and we started this church down here, I knew I didn't know what I was doing. And actually, most everything I've done, I didn't know what I was doing, if I'm honest. I just knew who I believed in. How could you really know what you're doing at 18 when you say, I do? But I found out that he would teach me in my insufficiency. Are you with me? When we had children, didn't know what we were doing. Mm. But show me God. You know, and he'll do that for you, but you got you to gotta come to him. Don't reduce down what he wants to do and settle for less. When he said, I still have more for you, I'm aware of your insufficiencies. That's why I'm going to show up for you as El Shaddai. More than enough. Where you're not enough, he's more than enough. Tell your neighbor that say, where you're not enough, he's more than enough. Yeah. And if we're honest, inaccuracy shows up in every part of our lives, folks. There are going to be days as a man, you're going to feel inadequate. There are going to be days as a mother, you're going to feel inadequate. There are going to be days as a student, you feel inadequate. There are going to be days as an athlete, you feel inadequate. There are going to be days as an employee, you feel inadequate. As a business owner, you feel inadequate. And here's the place that you're, at that point, you can put a demand on El Shaddai to give you what you need because it shows up in our inadequacy. So let me give you three things that God wants to do and the, and the response that he's looking for for us. The first one is simple. He wants to do more for you and the response he's looking for is I must participate. That's what we're talking about, putting a demand on heaven. Sarah, don't count yourself out. Participate. Because more is released by your desire, by the baby's desire demand than the mother's desire. And see, our role, I think, I think we think our role in it is to make it happen. That's God's role. We, you know, we get confused sometimes and we think we got to make the word happen. We got to make things. No, no, no. God is big enough and bad enough to make it happen all by himself. 
He just wants you to place a demand on heaven, and he wants to increase your faith and your trust in him in the process. One of the ways you put a demand on heaven is by prayer and fasting. I don't care if you're looking from Genesis to Revelation. The way you can put a demand on heaven is through prayer and fasting. And it's not because it doesn't manipulate God to do something for you. It actually just reduces what you trust in. Let me say that again. You're not fasting to say, God, that would be, you know, the Ayatollah Humaini, whatever his name is, back in the 70s, I remember as a child, whatever he was. Um, uh, he did a starvation thing. How many of y'all remember what I'm talking about? He just starved himself. They go on these hunger strikes and they don't eat. That's not what a fast is. I ain't eating God until you move. <laughs> you may see him before you see him move if you don't eat. <laughs> That's not a fast. <laughs> That's a hunger strike. <laughs> a fast is denying me of something I want for me, so I learn to depend less on me and more on thee. That's what a fast does. By the way, we're starting to fast a week from Monday, so if you want to jump in, I would encourage you to do that. We'll give you more information. The second thing is, not only does God want to do more for you and that you have to participate, the second thing is he wants to do more in you, and I must endure the process. Right? It was 25 years for Abram. That was a long time. But what I love about it is, Abram endured, but not only did he endure in the scripture, God says to Abram, I no longer call you Abram, but Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Here's the funny part. Abram had one child through Hagar, no seed of promise, and God is saying, oh, by the way, I'm no longer calling you Abram. I'm going to call you Abraham, father of many nations. You're like, really? But where's the many nations? I'm barely a father. And what I love about that is that God doesn't just see where you are, he sees where you're going. He doesn't just see who you are, he sees who you will become in him. Jesus didn't call Peter rock because he was a rock out of the shelf. If anyone, he probably was the least of the rock. He was the one that was always back and forth, putting his foot in his mouth. But Jesus called him a rock, not for where he was, but who he would become. And so part of that is the reason why sometimes things take time because God is more concerned about what he's doing in you rather than what he's doing around you. And so sometimes God takes us through what I like to call the refiner's fire. You know, when you get gold, you get pure gold. In order for you to have pure gold, it's got to go through the fire. Come on, somebody. You don't get gold without the fire. But what a, what a goldsmith does is he places it in, he places the gold in the fire, and the fire causes the dross to all the, the things that are in it that are, that are impurities. The dross rises to the top, and the, and the refiner, the goldsmith, will take off the dross at the top and then put it back through again until there's no more dross. See, the fire in our lives bring up all the things in us that are not like Christ then we get to see them so that they can be taken out of our lives. But the goal of it is just like a goldsmith, a refiner, wants to see, watch this, he knows when the gold is purified because he can see his reflection when he looks at it. And what God wants to do in your life is that when he looks at you, he wants to see him. 
When he looks at you, he wants to see the fruit of the Spirit. When he looks at you, he wants to see love. When he looks at you, he wants to see temperance. When he looks at you, he wants to see peace. He wants to see himself. He wants to see Christ in you. And so that comes by enduring the process. Now, I know we live in 2023. Wow, that's strange to say. And especially the younger generations, they are used to overnight success. Because telephones and social media, you know, some folks can just blow up overnight. All of a sudden, they got 100,000 followers. I'm an influencer. <laughs> but in the real world, you don't become an overnight success at anything overnight. Oh, I'm going to say that again. You don't become an overnight success at anything. Find anyone successful in any industry, in any relationship. Nobody becomes an overnight success as a mother. Nobody becomes an overnight success as a father. Nobody becomes an overnight success as a business. It's not an over, it is over time. As a matter of fact, I heard a quote that said, it takes 20 years to become an overnight success. It means I got to endure the process. God wants to do more for you, you got to participate. God wants to do more in you, you've got to endure the process. And finally, he wants to do more through you. That means I must partner with him. Because for Abram, it wasn't just about having a son so you can keep up with the Joneses. Well, the neighbors all had their sons. That's not the reason why you're going to have a son. <laughs> You're going to have a son because I'm going to make you a father of many nations. And you don't know this yet. And you won't know this until you get in my presence one day when you leave earth. I'm going to cause my child, my firstborn, my only begotten son to come through your descendants. And so what he's saying to Abraham and he's saying to us is he, he wants us to partner with him. I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. He's saying I'm not going to bless you to hoard. I'm not going to bless you to be selfish. I'm not going to bless you to be self-absorbed. He says I'm going to bless you that you can be a blessing. I'm going to bless you to establish my covenant. I'm going to bless you to expand my kingdom. He says I need you to partner with me. Y'all can come on up. I'll read this final quote, and we're going to pray this morning. God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. What a pity we plan for the things we can do ourselves. He wants you to partner with him, not for what you can do, but for what only he can do through you. As you make your goals for 2023, as you set your priorities for 2023, May you be encouraged to partner with God for what not just you can do, but for what only he can do through you.